Welcome back in. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. It's yours truly, Wobby, coming to you from the freezing but comfortable confines of my house here outside of Minneapolis, which is also where my partner and co-host Giles is located, but not for long uh, as Giles uh, prepares to head south uh, for a, a little bit of a soiree. We'll talk to him about that in a minute, but excited to talk to all of you about the Minnesota Vikings. I actually get, um, I get energized and enthusiastic this time of year. I know the season is over and your team is not playing in the playoffs. So you're bummed out, but this is the business season, uh, for the NFL. And whether it's because, I was in the league with the team for 15 years and got excited about it, or I'm just a super nerd like Giles is. These are things I love talking about and thinking about. Um, so uh, we're not going to talk about all of it here in this episode, but there's a lot coming up. There's uh, contract restructures, coaching changes, the draft, free agency, owners meeting, so much more. And the Wobcast 2.0 is here for all of it. We'll talk all of you through all of it throughout the course of the offseason. Today, though, it's about putting a bow on the 2023 season. It's five surprising takeaways that we have from the Vikings 2023 season. So I'm excited to get into all of that. To help me do it is my partner and co-host, Giles. How's it going, partner? Hey, hey, happy breaking news season. Uh, yes. This is going to be a great off season for, for everyone in the NFL. There's a lot of moving pieces. I feel like we have more coaching vac- vacancies than uh, since a long time than I can remember. Uh, and yep. I think there's going to be a lot of big uh, free agent signings. The running back market is flooded. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a uh, free agent. There's, there's a lot of different things that have to drop here this season, and I'm, I am here for it. I'm ready to roll. Yep, same. So um, we, uh, I mentioned at the top, Giles, you're you're heading out of town, so you're going to go get warm. But um, you're bringing your equipment with you, and we're going to record next week. I can't wait for the folks to figure out where you are. Maybe you can set up in a spot where you got a nice view, and we can all live vicariously through you on next week's episode of the Wobcast. Uh, definitely. I mean, I've been a little bit of a jet setter here this week. I just got back from <laughs> Vegas last night. I'm um, just, just flying all over the place. I was at a big construction conference, the AD summit, talked to a lot of NFL fans, a lot of hurt, pr- uh, a lot of big predictions for a lot of different teams. So okay. it was exciting to get involved with fans and stuff, but, uh, uh, definitely made a swing by Allegiant stadium. That, uh, death star looks mighty cool. Uh, definitely excited, yep. uh, to, uh, maybe, uh, I know the the Super Bowl is happening here in a few weeks. I'm really tempted to book a trip and uh, go and kind of experience all those different things that are going on over in Vegas. They're already prepping for it. They got all the signage yeah. uh, starting to go up. It's definitely going to be a big time out there in Vegas during the Super Bowl. Yeah, I imagine that'll be in the in the Super Bowl rotation, Giles. You know how mm-hmm. every now and then you get a new city, right? Minneapolis hosted it for the first time in whatever it was a couple decades. New York hosted it. Indianapolis hosted it. Detroit. But um, I, I'd say Vegas will be one of those, you know, New Orleans, Houston, uh, Atlanta, Miami. They host it regularly. I think Vegas will be in that in that mix. So it'll be mm-hmm. it'll be fun to see how they do hosting it. Uh, they did a good job with the draft a few years ago. Um, Super Bowl is a much bigger uh, animal to tackle. I'm sure they're going to do a great job. They they always do out in Sin City uh, with big events. So uh, I'm sure that'll be fun. Um, if you got an extra ticket, let me know. I'll go with you. Um, all right, uh, let's let's get into this, gals. I was um, I was excited uh, prepping for this. You know, it was it was very easy. Five surprising takeaways, not because there were a lot of surprises necessarily, but I think this is a fun topic because it's it's sort of that blend of, you know, the NFL is a forward looking business, so there's not a ton of value in looking back too much, but you do need to learn from mistakes so you can 
have those learnings inform what you do in the future. And so that's really the goal here is what did we learn? What were we surprised about from last season that can inform the strategy for 2024 to see if the Vikings can uh, be playing in in the Super Bowl? So I'll, I'll start things out with um, with sort of my my number one surprise. And it it's cynical in nature. Um, know that it comes from a good place. And I'm very happy to hear a different viewpoint on this. Uh, but more importantly, it's um, this takeaway is like, how can we get out of this spot? Because uh, this is surprising and not where we want to be. My, my number one surprise takeaway from 2023, Giles, is that the Vikings are closer to the bottom of the NFC North than they are to the top. And last weekend's super wild card action is what drove this point home for me, Giles. I, I actually was spending time. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pick a position here and take a look at some, some scheduled free agents and see if there's one that could really make a big difference for the Vikings. And I, I started looking at linebacker. You know, and so I'm going through some of these names and I got a few ideas and I'm watching the super wild card games and I just stopped because I'm like, this matters. These linebackers matter, but they don't matter. What matters is your coach and your quarterback, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, Detroit wins a home playoff game. Green Bay and Jordan Love blow the doors off of Dallas and. They got answers at quarterback. They got head coaches they like. And I think we have a head coach we like, but we don't have an answer at quarterback, Giles. And the Kirk Cousins debate is not what I'm trying to start here. But no matter, even if you love Cousins, you know, he's 35, 36. He's not the long-term answer. Um, the Vikings sit there while I'm watching Detroit and Green Bay win playoff games. You know, the Vikings are seven and 10, the same record as Chicago. The Vikings lost six of their last seven, including two to Detroit and one to eat Chicago and Green Bay. And Chicago won four of their last six, and they're looking ahead to an offseason where they have two top 10 picks and 50 million in cap space. I'm like, look at the quarterback head coach tandems and in projecting it out, I think the Vikings are third at best in the NFC North behind Love and Lafleur and um, Campbell and Goff. Um, I look at culture and morale and Detroit is gritty and us against the world and get up off the mat and keep fighting. Now it's our turn. Green Bay is like opening a like Green Bay right now is like you thought you were done with your Christmas presents, but then like your mom found another one behind the tree and now you get to open another one. And it's mm -hmm. gone from like there's no way Green Bay can get a third franchise quarterback in a row. There's no way that can happen to oh, of course they're doing it. Of course they got a third one. Like it's the narrative has shifted to that. And so I just found myself kind of surprised that I view the Vikings as closer to the bottom than to the top of the division going into the offseason. Now, I give them a chance to improve on that and for me to not have that viewpoint as soon as week one of, of next season. But right now, sitting here on January 19th, that's that's where I think the Vikings are. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting point, and I didn't look at it that from that lens because I keep on putting a filter over this season uh, uh, that relates to injury. Um, so I'm like, yeah. well, if the injuries weren't there, we'd be better. Um, but yeah. at the same time, like it is what it is, whether you like it or not, that is what uh, got put on film. And you're completely correct, not only from a, an eye test standpoint, but the uh, the record plays it out, right? Uh, we have a growing NFC North uh 
opponent set. Like they're they're becoming a, a yeah. very uh, a very difficult division to, to play in when you think about all it the is. most difficult divisions in football i mean we used to think it was the nfc west and i think the afc south is becoming very very stout but i think the nfc north is becoming one of the most stout teams or divisions rather in the nfl and i think that is uh honestly maybe the wake-up call that the minnesota vikings need uh because i think there's been kind of a, an overarching kind of general feeling about the NFC North that it's weak and, Oh, it can be ours. If we really, really try, if there is a tough divisional set, does that prime the Minnesota Vikings to make more aggressive moves to be competitive? Right. When you look at uh, uh, the Denver Broncos, for example, they were in the most competitive division in football and they went and got Russell Wilson. Now, yeah. now mm -hmm. the, there's difference between process and outcome, right? Uh, was it the right route to go, but it didn't work out. And I would venturely to venture to say, yes, that was a, a worthwhile move for them. They knew that they had to go against Patrick Mahomes and uh, the chargers with Herbert's and they had a lot of yep. different yep. difficult com uh, opponents. Let's go make a move to try to be competitive. And will that prime the Minnesota Vikings to go make a similar move? Now, hopefully we get a different outcome, right? Uh, but yeah. maybe primes an aggressive nature in the offseason. So I don't know. It could could be interesting, but I definitely agree uh, that the NFC North is becoming very, very difficult. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how we go into the 2024 season. Yep. And and, and look, the, that, that takeaway, Giles, has some cynicism to it. Um, and it's also projecting in a positive way what I think Jordan Love can be. Let's not be prisoners of the moment here. We're watching Jordan Love play very well. Uh, and it's in a small sample size, really just one full season as a starter. And halfway through that one full season, we were kind of snickering about him, right? So mm -hmm. he, he he poured it on in the final month of the season and obviously looked great in Dallas last week. Um, so we'll see if he can do it again. It's a tougher test for him at San Francisco here in the divisional round. But um, right now, that's sort of how I see it. I think it's I think the Vikings are are toward the bottom looking up at at, at least Detroit and Green Bay for 2024. I hope they make some moves that sort of um, change or alter that narrative. Uh, but that was my number one surprising takeaway from 2023. Uh, let's move on to number two, Giles, you take it away. Yes, absolutely. The, the next most surprising thing for me, uh, I really struggle with because the Minnesota Vikings in 2023 were the best team in the NFL at completions. And I mean that in kind of a dual format. They led, uh, or they almost led the league in actual completions. Uh, okay. uh, if you factor in the playoffs, we were second. But through the regular season, we were number one in completions uh, for passes in the NFL. Wow. Okay. Great, uh, great at completing the passes. However, uh, I mean that in a different sense as well. We were leading the league in completions to the other team as well. We were Ooh, great at getting the ball. Correct. We led the league. Uh, so we were great at getting the ball into, into someone's hands. It just wasn't always ours. Uh, okay. So that is something that needs to be focused on in the offseason. Now, obviously, your person under center has a large contribution to that. Once Kirk Cousins went down, that became a very big issue. Uh, it was already yep. kind of an issue before, but I think that was far more from a dropped uh, scenario where the receiver messed up. And that's not me coming to Kirk's defense. But if you watch the tape, we had a lot of drops early on that caused a lot of uh, turnovers on, uh, on many different plays that cost us a lot of the, I mean that was the number one reason that we had the record we had through five games I yeah. firmly believe that that was turnovers. completely on turnovers nothing else yeah. we should have won those games hands down across yep. all those things but uh, at the end of the day we were number one in completions and I want to keep our completions high uh 
from the standpoint of throwing it to our receivers. I obviously want to reduce the completions that are going to the other team. But I also think that goes into the fact uh, uh, of our run pass ratio. We were throwing the ball so much that I think that really caused our offense to be a little bit too standard and we need to be more versatile and dynamic. So I definitely think that's something that needs to change in the offseason. But one surprising takeaway uh, is that we were very good at completing the ball to both sides. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, That is surprising. I would not have guessed that the Vikings would have led the league in completions. Um, My initial thinking there is that we just we also were probably pretty high in attempts and I'm actually looking it up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were fourth in attempts at 631. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And fifth then, in yards. Yep. And then completions at 424. So now you look at the other teams who are up there in completions, Giles, Dallas mm-hmm. won their division, made the playoffs. Kansas City won their division, made the playoffs. Cincinnati battled through, almost made the playoffs. Jacksonville was in the mix for the playoffs until the end. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, you're not up there with a bunch of bad teams who are high in completions. Like, leading the league in completions is correlative to success. So, um, you know, that's that's good. I'm, I'm and, and I think that this is Kevin O'Connell's nature is to want to throw the ball. So, I don't mm-hmm. think that's changing. And yep. this actually uh, dovetails pretty well into uh, my my number three surprising takeaway uh, from the 2023 season, which is uh, the Vikings are in need of a pass catcher, Giles. And I think injuries deprived the offense in 2023 of of explosion. Um, Obviously, Kirk Cousins got hurt, Justin Jefferson got hurt, and then TJ Hawkinson ends up being hurt. So all three of those guys suffered significant injuries and two of the three missed significant time. Fortunately, Hawkinson's injury didn't come till the end of the season. But I think Hawkinson's injury is going to bleed into the start of 2024. Um, So um, you add into that fact that, you know, I think Jefferson and Addison is a good duo, but I think this offense needs more than just a good duo. I think it needs at least three. And so Hawkinson, you know, he's only 27, but it's the type of injury that you wonder about in terms of how close does he get to being 100% ever again with that type of injury. So I'm not writing him off or discounting him, but I think even with him, Addison and Jefferson, the Vikings are in need of another pass catcher. Um, Now, this this doesn't mean that they need to spend a first round pick on it, Giles. Um, look at look at some of the effective and efficient and productive pass catchers in the NFL this season, uh, who surprised us. Puka Nakua with the Rams, where Kevin O'Connell comes from, he was a fifth round pick. Um, Houston got Nico Collins and Tank Dell in the third round. Green Bay drafted Romeo Dobbs in the fourth. I think mm-hmm. Stephon Diggs. I think we got him in the fifth round. You know, so. Yep. Um, you know, the, these these are not things that need to be addressed with a $50 million contract or a first-round pick, but the Vikings need another significant pass catcher, not, you know, Brandon Powell or, you know, K.J. Osborne. Like, they need another yep. guy. They need yep. a guy who can be him from time to time. Um, yep. And that surprises me, Giles. Um, I, I thought they were set at pass catcher, but watching this season unfold the way it did, Looking ahead into 2024, I think if the Vikings don't have another significant weapon who catches the ball well, I think they're in trouble on offense next season. They need a pass catcher. 
Yeah, I could not agree more, actually. Um, and that bleeds into my next point that I'll, I'll make here in a second. But uh, I think you're you're absolutely correct. Unless there is a systematic philosophical change in our offense uh, moving into the 2024 season, we need another pass catcher. Because yeah. if you plan to throw the ball this much, there is always going to be a time where an opposing defense is going to find a way to lock up a player. Justin Jefferson is the best non-quarterback on the field. But if you triple team him, there's only so much he can do. He's still a human being, right? He's still phenomenal in double coverage. He made some amazing catches this year in that context but if you you know triple or quadruple team him you're going to take that away and i think we've talked about this in the past offseason when teams commit to doing that we need to be able to counter punch them in an effective way and i think tj hawkinson is definitely a piece to be able to do that but if you're hurt in that position that takes our way to move the ball down the field especially when your run game is not at a, at a place where you want it to be i think we were averaging less than four yards per carry which is a, a tough place to be you need to be able to have a counter punch in order to make that work which yep does directly translate into my third most important takeaway and the fact that the Minnesota Vikings are the most injured team in the NFL in 2023. When you oh. look at it through the course of our season, we lost our starting quarterback. We lost our starting wide receiver in Justin Jefferson for almost half the season. We lost our starting tight end. We lost our starting running back. We lost our starting right tackle for a significant portion. We lost uh, pieces of our starting offensive line for multiple games. And that's just on our offense, right? Yeah. Like there was significant injury. And I think a lot of people talk about how the fact that, well, injury plagues every team and you'll have to, you have to make your way through it. Well, although I agree with that, we still were significantly more injured than most other teams in the NFL. So that's something that definitely needs to be put in writing here. So people understand a lot of our offensive deficiency came from injury yeah. and multiple injuries happened, uh, you know, where you were experiencing multiple of those injuries per game, um, especially a quarterback, you're going to have an issue. But when you have that many injuries, when you look at someone like Jaron Hall stepping into the quarterback position, they weren't really stepping into a true first team offense when you have so many other people that are out. So it definitely needs to be put on, on record. And on defense, we were missing Jordan Hicks, our starting middle linebacker for quite a few weeks. Uh, went on injury reserve. I mean, Marcus Davenport played for all about three minutes throughout the entire yeah. 2023 season. And that was expected to be the counterpunch on pass rush on the other side of the fence. So we were significantly injured. And to kind of merge your point and my point together, we need to have more depth to our team to be able to survive injuries like that because there's not much you can do to try to prevent injury. You just need to bolster your team so you can... You can overcome it when it does happen. Yep, you're exactly right, Giles. And going into week 18, there had been 64 different quarterbacks who started games. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is an unbelievable number. And mm -hmm. I, I backup quarterback is no longer a luxury position. It, it is no. a, like you need a guy. It, it's it's to the point now where if there is not like a, a Gardner Minshew situation, like think about the Colts. They lost Anthony Richardson, their first round pick early in the season, and they just had Gardner Minshew just on their team ready to go. Gardner Minshew is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, there's 32 starting starting positions, and mm -hmm. a lot of teams backup is one of the 32 best. They just happen to play on a team that's got a quarterback better than them, right? So. Yep. You need, if you're serious about your team, unless you're, you know, you have Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, or Josh Allen. I mean, you need a guy who is good enough to start for, for other teams in the league as your backup. That's what you need. And if you don't have that, you're neglecting your roster.
by by not having that. And the Vikings unfortunately did that with Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall. They did not have a guy who could no. carry the water for the team. The Vikings without I mean, the Vikings lost six of their last seven games of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's a team game and you win and lose as a team, but I think the number one problem was quarterback play. That's yep. that's what I that's what I would argue. So um you need a backup in place. Um and and you know the wide the pass catcher thing. I don't care if it's a tight end or another wide receiver. They need another one, and and they need them all healthy. But if one of their main guys, Addison Jefferson or Hawkinson, get hurt, they need that this new guy to come in and be productive. So uh, those yep. last two points that you and I have, have, as you said, they're they're married in in a sense. So yep. And and to kind of complete that as well, I think it's important that you build that depth in a in a congruent way. I think when you have someone like Josh Dobbs in your roster, uh, there were obviously some very big bright spots that he put on the field and people were really high on him as the pastor, not for those two games. And we were really flying high, so to speak with him, but he was a very different quarterback than Kirk cousins. Now, some people look at that as a positive, like, yeah, we're getting something different. Although yeah. I can understand the, the elements of that argument. It's important to note that our entire team and more specifically our offensive line is built around a pocket passer mentality not a mobile quarterback and i think when you look at uh, for example christian derisaw uh, i pulled up his numbers when uh, you look at the the con- consistency of his first few games while kirk cousins was under center he was uh, at least you know in uh, pass blocking and run blocking alike he was 88 grade 80, 88 grade 89 grade like he was the elite christian derisaw that we can come to expect the moment Kirk Cousins goes down, he hasn't scored above he hasn't scored above a 66 grade uh, since then. And I, I play that directly to our offensive schematics changing where uh, when you look at Kirk Cousins and we talked about this before, he had a very consistent average, average drop back. He was a very consistent, yeah. know what you can expect quarterback. And our offensive line can play to that. And our offensive line fell apart the moment Kirk Cousins wasn't, wasn't under center. So I think yeah. a lot of people trash Kirk Cousins as in like, oh, you don't help your offensive line. I think he was helping the offensive line a lot. And it was proven through their grades throughout the rest of the season when he wasn't under center. And that's just looking yeah. at the offensive line. So, I think it's important to build depth in a way that you can continue your offensive schematics to make sure that you can allow for productivity. We were trying to re-engineer the plane as we were flying it, and that just didn't work. Yeah, yeah, yep. They and and they did the best they could, mm-hmm. given they were in that situation. But what we're talking about, I think, Giles, is here's a a, th- a way to not be in that situation, Correct. right? Mm-hmm. Have Gardner Minshew on the rot, not him, but have uh, that yeah. guy on your roster so he can come in and just be 80% of what Cousins is, right? Correct. I yep. mean, looking back on it, when when you knew that when you found out Cousins is out for the year, if I would have said, okay, you we got a guy who will give you 75% of that, I mean, you would have taken that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, because I you, you got 15% of it or 10% of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yep. All right. Yep. Um, my last surprising takeaway, Giles, um, the Vikings need to find a way to bring back Daniil Hunter. And I am surprised about this, Giles. I, you know, we're, we're in a, in a situation with the Vikings where they're going to be looking for ways to find cap space to retain some key pieces, such as Jefferson and Derisaw. So it's not prudent to spend $25 million a year on another big contract, but Hunter is worth it. And he's maybe your best weapon on defense. He had 16 and a half sacks last season. That's after 10 and a half the year prior. 22 quarterback hits in 
in three of the last four seasons. He's played in all the games now uh, this year. He's only 29, so he's got a few years left of prime or near prime. And honestly, there's no one knocking on his door behind him developing who strikes you as a replacement, which Daniil was for Brian Robison and Everson Griffin. Um, there is no one like Daniil behind Daniil. I think you need him. I think you got to resign him. I think you pay him what the market says you pay him. And I hope it's not a franchise tag situation, but if it has to be that, then it's that. But I think 99 needs to be on the roster. And six months ago, if you would have told me I'd be saying that at the end of the year, I would have thought that you you were silly. But mm-hmm. here I am saying it. I think they need Hunter back. Yep. I could not agree more. I think we're in a position where you want to be adding your second counterpunch pass rusher, not trying to find your first one. Because exactly. I think it's absolutely asinine for us to be able to go into this season looking for two pass rushers, especially if, I mean, I think we're, we're aligned in the fact that Brian Flores is going to be under contract for the, this next 2024 season. He will be our defensive coordinator. And if you're trying to build on what he did well this season and fix what he didn't have, getting a, a proper pass rush is important. We were a bottom five team at pass rush ring weight. Uh, in terms of when you were in a one-on-one scenario, our defensive line could not get home. And I think you're able to fix one-on-one productivity with, uh, a counter punch in the pass rush. You need another yeah. pass rusher. And I would actually venture to say we need two pass rushers. We need one interior and then one uh, outside linebacker uh, personality, whether that's through free agency or draft or both. We need to address those positions and you can't start from square one. That is us giving up, in my opinion. I think when you look at even the the cultural element inside the locker room, if you don't bring Daniil Hunter back, that communicates a very severe message to their locker room saying, oh, we'll be fine. And I don't think anyone believes that. Um, you're right, and I'm looking at something because as you were talking, I was thinking about this. Do you know who would love <clears throat> who would love to have Daniil and who can afford him? Detroit. Oh boy! So you got to think can about you that too. Him? Yep. And so you got to think about cap space. You got to think about things like that. How about Chicago too? I mean, you mm-hmm. got to think about. If you don't bring him back, same as when you cut a guy, if you don't bring him back, where's he going to go? And you always hear people talk about in free agency when a division rival signs a player from you know, their rival. It's like, not only did you get better, but you made them worse, and they're in your division. I mean, that that is what would happen, right? Yep, so, instantly. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of was like semi like out on Daniil Hunter even coming into this year. You know, and I just, I couldn't be more juxtaposed right now to that opinion than I am. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I need is a strong word, but like to me, priority is re-signing Daniel Hunter. So, and, and, you know, I was frustrated with, um, you know, them letting Zadarius Smith go and all that. I'm like, who's rushing the passer around here? Well, Daniel Hunter rushed the passer. Daniel Hunter rushed the passer really well. And he's got showing no signs of slowing down. He's no. good against the run as well. Um, so, so long as Flores believes that he fits the scheme, you know, mm-hmm. I think Daniel Hunter is worth every penny that you'd have to pay him. Yep. Especially in the context that we're the third best team in the NFC North. You can't put yourself into the fourth position. If you're trying to go win, yeah. I think he is a an incredibly important element to that. When you look at the most important positions in football, edge rusher is right up there. If you cannot yeah. rush the passer, you're never going to chase a, chase a championship, yep. period, full yep. stop. 
Agreed. Agreed. All right. So those are our surprising takeaways from the 2023 season. Fun to talk through those things. And hopefully they uh, well, they will certainly inform our opinions as we talk to you guys about what we think the Vikings should do. But uh, hopefully the folks at TCO Performance Center have done the same exercise and uh, are as excited and as enthusiastic as we are here about the offseason in the NFL, which is the business season of the NFL. So, Giles, much to discuss and talk about here coming up uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. You know, to me, as I go through some, I'm sure you're the same as I am, you know, you kind of sit here and think about the Vikings and the NFL from time to time. If you need a, a break from work or, you know, it's quiet in your house at night and you got some free time. Um, but I, I keep coming back. I, I think we need we need some direction and some answers uh, as to what they're going to do at quarterback, you know, because I, I think sort of laying down groundwork or a roadmap for the offseason is hard to do short of that, you know, without having that answer, you know, lacking that answer. Um, you know, I get into conversations with people about it all the time uh, about what they should do and are you a cousins guy or not? And what do you think and draft? And, you know, the one thing I, I believe in and, am not going to waver on is they, they definitely need to draft a quarterback this year. I think it should be in the first round, whether they trade up and do it or sit at 11 and do it, whatever they do, it's got to be a first round pick. I mean, you look at the teams in the playoffs right now, guys, I mean, there's eight teams left. Seven of them have first round quarterbacks, right? Yep. The only team that doesn't mm-hmm. is San Francisco, which ironically they got theirs with the last pick of the whole draft. Um, but you know, everyone else has got first round picks. Um, and I think if you look back at previous playoff years, that's, that's, this is not, you know, an aberration. That's generally the case. First round Mm -hmm. quarterbacks are in the playoffs. So, um, now that doesn't mean they have to play the guy next year. In fact, I think it's ideal to take one who you love and have them sit behind cousins for this year. And, we have that conversation that we've talked about. Kirk, you're the guy, you're the starter, you're playing. We believe you can win a Super Bowl, but we drafted player X. He's going to sit behind you and learn. No, it's not your job to raise him. Like, remember, Favre famously said, it's not my job to get Aaron Rodgers ready to play. Hopefully Aaron can watch me and take some things. And that's what Aaron did. That's what Jordan Love did. And I think the Vikings are are very well positioned to have that scenario unfold for themselves. Mm-hmm. Take one, take one early, sit them down, have them watch Kirk Cousins in 24, pay Cousins what you got to pay him to have him play, and then start that guy in 25. To me right now, sitting here on January 19th, that's the route I would want to go if I was calling the shots. I could not agree more. I think when you're looking at the success formulas for all the best teams, they all sit their quarterbacks. I mean, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes stayed under uh, uh, Alex Smith for a year. Uh, same yeah. thing with Love. All the different uh, teams that are thriving right now gave their their franchise quarterback a chance to understand the speed of NFL quarterback play. And then it played amazing dividends the moment they were actually able to get on the field. And I think, you know, there's two sides of that conversation, or at least two important elements. One is drafting a quarterback and going up to get one. Yep. I know Caleb Will. Williams uh, was piping off at uh, Jordan Addison on either Instagram or Twitter talking about how they might see each other soon. So uh, some cryptic messaging to see there. But you do have to go draft a guy if you don't want to go down that route. But the other side is you do technically need to come to an agreement with Kirk Cousins, which is something that I know a lot of people are, are up in the air about and try to figure out what that should look like. But you need to be able to make that happen because 
not only do you need to come to an agreement, you need to make sure that other teams don't come to an agreement as well. I was talking to a guy uh, named Peter. He works at Ditchwich Midstates uh, in Columbus, and he's a, a Washington yeah. Commanders fan. And he okay. is totally on board with them going after Kirk Cousins. Could you imagine wow. Kirk Cousins going back to Washington? There's new wow. ownership, new coaching. I think there's a chance that they could come to a, a much more of a resolution and get him back to D.C. And they're another team that's primed to go make a run. I mean, they have a lot of good, amazing weapons. Uh, they just don't have quarterback. And I don't know. It just it got me primed to say, hey, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going after him. Maybe we should try to sign him before officially free agency starts because that could get expensive if we don't. Oh, oh yeah, oh, definitely. If they're try- If they're trying to bring him back, it's got to get done. And the deadline spur action, and that is absolutely the deadline, is free agency because there's already probably a bidding war, but, I mean, it's officially open season, right, yep. once free agency comes. Interesting on the Washington thought there, Giles. I, a couple of things I'd add there. Um, you know who one of the consultants is in Washington, right? Who? Spielman. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Oh, that makes it even more sense. Makes you wonder okay. if that was one of the reasons they hired him. Like, we yeah. want to pursue Kirk Cousins. Let's get a guy that understands him. Now, I believe there is, and then my second thought is there is a tie between um, Adam Peters, the new GM in Washington, and the offensive coordinator in Detroit. I think mm. somewhere along the way there, they are connected. Now, I don't know if I'm sort of making an indirect tie here, but Detroit has Goff, who came from L.A., who has McVeigh, which is where O'Connell came from. So if you sort of connect the dots there, I think mm-hmm. you've got another you know, semi-tie-in there to Cousins being a good fit. Wow. Cousins back yeah. in D.C. Never thought of yeah. it. I, I, I thought uh, Cousins and Atlanta was sort of a, a possible union. Uh, yep. Although I don't know how Belichick, if he's the head coach there, would feel about Cousins. But I think that's a potential landing spot. Um, yep. Interesting. Uh, I think the Vikings, uh, you know, I'm not a staunch cause ride or die with Kirk Cousins person. Uh, I'm I'm more of a, they, as soon as they can, they need to get an answer at quarterback, and it's not Cousins. He's he's not the long-term mm-hmm. answer, um, you know, because of his age. Um, yep. But I... I my long-term answer is a draft pick in the first round, but my long-term answer will benefit from Kirk Cousins being back next year. So in a way, I'm kind of unionized with the Cousins camp uh, because yep. the cousin, Cousins would help my my guy who's, yep. you know, player question mark, whoever they take. So um, yep. I think that's their – it's also Cousins is probably, you know – the, their best chance to win the most games for in a one-year vacuum is Cousins, right? I mean, mm-hmm. unless they go get the uh, reincarnation of C.J. Stroud, you know, you're going to expect the guy to come in here and win a bunch of games more than Kirk Cousins could win in his rookie year. Very unlikely, yep. especially at pick 11. So, yep. Especially when you're trying to negotiate with other players that you want to keep in the building, someone like Justin Jefferson. If you don't have yeah. a clear long-term plan at quarterback, how do you ever expect to sign someone like Justin Jefferson under a long-term contract? Right, like he's, I, that, that's going to be the question number two. Beyond what are you going to pay me? Who is going to be thrown to me? If it's exactly. going to be a nobody, eh, maybe I'll go somewhere uh, where I have an answer to that. Uh, exactly. Like I was talking to a Cincinnati Bengals fan named Sam uh, while I was in Vegas, and he's like, "Hey, like if we could get JJ over in the Bengals, imagine that that conjunction between Jamar Chase, JJ, and oh. imagine oh. that trio. They would be unstoppable." Jeez. Yeah. 
Oh, man, that's nasty. not only are they all great players, they all have great chemistry. Like yeah, they all know that's each nasty. other. They've all yep. won championships together. So Let's that would run be, it back, baby. Yeah. Let's run it back. Hey, that's hey, what hey. they'd be saying. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, so we'll have to see. All right. Well, let's get out of here on this, guys. We're going to watch playoffs this weekend. I mean, our team, you know, our team, the Vikings, uh, everyone listening, your team's not playing, but we're all going to watch. Um, any predictions? Who do you like in the games or or anything in particular you're watching for? Um, honestly, I mean, when we're looking towards the uh, the ending here, I kind of want a Lions-Texans Super Bowl. Like, just get an oh. underdog thing going. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah. Two teams that yeah. have really, really struggled. No one was really thinking about them at the beginning of the season, just going, uh, showing up. Um, yep. But, I mean, if we're being completely honest, I think it's going to be Ravens 49ers, and I think uh, the Ravens are going to come off victorious if I okay. really am providing a true prediction. Well, it's Texans at Ravens to kick things off this weekend, so you would, you're picking Baltimore. Um, I'm very close to kind of picking Houston in this one. Um, you know, here's something crazy about Baltimore. I really like John Harbaugh. I like the organization. I, uh, they have a good defense this year. I have no qualms about Lamar Jackson, whatever. I'm fine with him. They've won two playoff games, I believe, in the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Not a great track record in big games. Yeah. Wow. That is nuts. Yep. Um, I'm almost like, <laughs> I'm almost picking Houston in that game. I'm not even kidding. They're um, hot. So I'm really riding the fence on Houston, Baltimore. Uh, Green Bay at San Francisco, I would definitely take the Niners. And so would you since you're predicting Ravens, Niners, Super Bowl. Bucks at Lions. Um, I think this is Lions all the way. Uh, I would I would lay the points at six and a half. No disrespect to Todd Bowles, Tampa, and Baker Mayfield, but the Lions have something going right now, and I don't think Tampa will stop them. And then Chiefs Bills. I would actually take the Bills in that game. How about you? Uh, I completely agree. I think the Bills. Yeah. Uh, I, I entered this season thinking the Bills had exited their Super Bowl window, and I think they've found a way to squeeze every bit of juice out yeah. of that jar. Uh, yep. uh, I think uh, the, not only the the Bills playing their best football right now, I don't think the Chiefs are. So the, when you look at no, the combination, the Chiefs are yeah. not playing good ball right now. Uh, they have a lot of issues that are coming out. I think uh, I think there's a chance that even Travis Kelsey uh, hangs it up after this season with his brother calling it quits. Uh, wow. You know, he has a new relationship. I don't know. I I feel like there is kind of an interesting dynamic going on there, and I feel like the Chiefs are paying so many dollars to just a few specific positions that I yeah. think they're exiting their Super Bowl window. Interesting. Even though they have an amazing quarterback under center. I really like Andy Reid, and I root for him. Um, you know, I'm indifferent on Mahomes. I like Kelsey. Um, I like Spagnolo, their defensive coordinator. He's a great guy. Um, so I, I don't mind when the Chiefs win. Uh, I wish Leslie was still in Buffalo. Uh, I'd really be cheering even harder for them because I love Leslie. Uh, but I, I see I see Buffalo winning that game. Mahomes and Allen have played in a lot of fun games with each other, uh, and this will I think this will be another one. And that's the that's the last game of the weekend. So it's a, it's, you'll go out on a high note while watching Chiefs Bills on Sunday. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk about all of it next week when uh, we record another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Uh, Giles will be on the road. I will be at home, uh, but we'll get it done and, and talk football. Uh, do we leave anything on the table, partner, or are we done for the day? 
I think we're done for the day. Excited to watch right. some football on Sunday. Yeah, I am too. Hope everyone enjoys the games. Those were our surprise takeaways uh, from the 2023 season. We hope you enjoyed them. I'm sure you all have your own takeaways, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So make sure you interact with us wherever you can. Uh, like, subscribe, download, listen to, follow along the Wobcast, wherever you do that with all your other favorite football content, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and, of course, we're on YouTube. That's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Back next week to talk more Vikings football with you. Giles and I look forward to that. But until next time, Skull Vikings.